Welcome, welcome back to this week's episode of Wall Streets is Watching. I'm your host, Dan, son of man, and we've got a good episode today. Talking about the economic situation with the U.S. versus China. Who's going to come out the top dog? Is it going to be the U.S. or China? Before we get started, I want to say shout out to Blacks in Tech, Miami chapter. We've just officially hit 300 members and growing. Get ready. Get ready. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to roll into 2024 with some, some very cool events, um, drives and community outreach programs and education and things to get jobs, you name it. So you guys stick around for that. I just want to say shout out to the team, man. We're working behind the scenes. We're, we're building a new chapter, but we want it to be very focused. Miami is the new tech hub. So I feel as though an organization like the Blacks in Tech Foundation brings a lot of validity to Miami and it'll help a lot of people transition into these much needed jobs because it's very expensive to live here. So without further ado, I'm going to get in today's first song, taking it back to the Blueprint 3. What are we talking about? Before we get into it, I decided to introduce a new segment to the show, and it's going to be Book of the Day. Starting off with something light and something cool. You know, I like the idea of getting reading into your everyday, you know, routine. So having books that you can break down and add to a system is pretty dope. So I have this book I got from Barnes & Noble uh, a while back, 50 Economic Ideas You Really Need to Know by Edmund Conway. So it's really cool. I mean, it's something you can read. You can set aside uh, a chapter a day for 50 days, add that to your water regimen or your exercise regimen, 75 hard, any of these programs you get involved in. But it's pretty cool. It, it helps you get a good idea. Well, a general idea of a lot of topics. You got like uh, the invisible hands, stocks and shares. Uh, what else we got? Central banks and interest rates. Just something to get you started so you can go look a little bit deeper. My son actually read this too, you know, so that, that helped him learn about a lot of uh, economical ideas and tools. So with that, just a little bit in the news. And I think I'm going to set up an episode about this. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal that a lot of companies have turned away from their diversity inclusive officers or just the roles in their companies it seems as though they're treating it as a fad and um the fad is over so i want to get some people on the show who who have experienced this on a corporate level who may have had some of these roles and just to get a a post on the climate you know as we know affirmative action was removed and that was a very controversial topic but following that, you know, this just doesn't look well together. You know, no, no matter how you feel about affirmative action, some things may have not worked well, but some things may have benefited the people who needed it. Could have just probably been re-approached re and um, restructured to make more sense. But with a move like this, you know, we got to keep our eyes on what's going on. We need our people in the boardrooms. We need our people in high positions to represent us and make us look well so keep a, a eye on that and I'm, I'm gonna reach out to some people to see if we can get them involved on the episode today uh well not today but maybe next week or so but today this is finally the china versus the u.s episode and if you haven't been paying attention you know everything from semiconductor wars to who is going to have the biggest ev well product on the market well you know we have Elon Musk 
representing the U.S. by way of South Africa, but you have huge uh, EV companies in China that are doing very well, and they dominate the market over there. Uh, batteries. Batteries are as serious as semiconductors. Most of the raw materials come from Africa, so we want to look into what are the relationships with these two major uh, economical figures with countries in Africa. The source of most of these raw materials and how is that going to play out on a, on a global stage. So before we get into that, we're going to get one more song so we can fully dive into the topics and we'll get started. So we're going to stay on Blueprint 3 and mix in a little Pharrell with So Ambitious. Nah, man, I'm ready to get into it, man. I'm ready to get into it. So um, we'll start with the EV markets. And before I get started, we have a uh, special guest, one of my homies and our group, our, our Black Wall Street trade in uh, chat. You may have remember you may remember him from the clubhouse days, uh, Twitter spaces. When we were just calling our options and running plays live every day, day in, day out. Uh, Nico, the phone guy, a, a man of many phones. He, he he dominates the phone market. He, he sells phones. He has a lot of phones. He fixes phones. He's found a lane. But uh, yeah, Nico, go ahead and give a quick introduction of yourself before we uh, dive into the topic. What's up? What's up? What's up? You guys hear me? Yep. Yep. We can hear you. Perfect. A uh, little brief background. I've been, they call me Nico the phone guy because I literally, I'm either making money off a phone, making money from a phone or putting a phone together. Um, I've been trading probably about almost four years now, almost five. Um, we made it through COVID and after COVID, so definitely a lot of experience, at least through a recession in a sense and a normal market. Um, I teach, I learn, I'm still a student. We're always going to be a student, but I'm, I'm just here to pass on some blessings and knowledge. Awesome, awesome, man. You know, Nico is uh, definitely... Uh uh, a day trader when a good day trader when it comes to options he's active daily um he runs his own chat so you know uh nico you you recently just um had some baba trades right then did, did they did oh. they work out for you yeah surprisingly it took a little while though um during the during the hold through that through those trades i'm not gonna lie there was a lot of news that came out when it comes to China and how their market is being affected compared to ours. Mm. So they're in recovery mode right now, but compared to America, it's definitely different. Yeah, so um, definitely in this show, we, we, we like to highlight, you know, not just what the news is, but how to make money. And Baba is definitely on my watch list. Um, it's near what, the, the, the five-year lows? Um, yeah. And, and it's been beaten down for, I would say the last year and a half, maybe two years. And um, it's a strong company. China is very, very tricky. They had the situation with the CEO disappearing. The government is active in all of the private businesses. So that is always a little scary for investors in the West. But Baba is Baba. It's one of the biggest companies on the planet. Uh, they dominate uh, retail and uh, the merchant market. And to me, it looks like an opportunity to where the stock is just badly beaten down. It's been down so long. So with the good news, this stock can really cover some ground 
And I definitely want to add that to some longer term trades in my portfolio. Are you just trading in short term or is this something that you're looking at long term? Right now, I'm doing mostly day trades. So I'm doing the short term jumps. But I would, um, this isn't financial advice, but I would recommend more of the longer term because China is really at its low when it comes to uh, businesses and it's in recovery mode. Um, So right now they're trying to help their businesses and small businesses even to be able to get more money and be able to actually maintain. So there's a lot more money that's going to be going into the China stocks that I know in in time it's going to go up, but right now I'm just playing with those ups and downs every single news article that comes out. Yeah. And this is the time where you kind of lock in and you want to watch it daily. Um, It's also, you know, it's a good day trade uh swing trade opportunity because of the, the types of moves and make you can make some money with it with it but as you play it in that range you know you're setting yourself up for a bigger breakout to where you can put longer term leaps out of the money leaps uh this isn't financial advice by the way but this is what i do um you know and I, and i like to set those leaps at numbers that make sense in the closer in the near future for uh baba to cover so you know if it does break past a certain resistance level you know i might be looking at maybe a year a leap a year two years out and um putting something on as reasonable that i know it can cover that ground not something that's a long shot but uh it'll just bring down the cost of the option a little bit because they are more expensive as you go longer in time so that's definitely one of the opportunities i'm looking at yeah it's it's definitely a battleground right now and you know one of your favorites that's why you're the perfect man for this uh this topic tesla tesla has been dominant in the ev market since it's gained notoriety to the average person we don't know too much about chinese evs and i would say that as somebody who is interested in that sector but haven't really explored what's going on in china but i have looked into uh, BYD and a couple of other uh, companies, NEO as well. And, you know, we, we've traded them, but, you know, in the West, we don't really have a huge market share of the Chinese market. You know, Teslas are popular and Teslas are there and Teslas are manufactured there, but China dominates their own market. Here, we're starting to, you know, see a lot more EVs on the road. I don't know if you're, you're seeing like more Lucids and more Rivians in the area like you're seeing you're seeing a public uh adapted a little bit more but but tesla is definitely the more dominant force here how has um trading been recently with tesla honestly it's ups and downs right now Mm. um really been ups and downs one day i could be up a pretty penny and then the next it wants to go ahead and go right back and fill those gaps right back down um with with a lot of reports that have been coming out and even with earnings season, it's Tesla's a stock that is going to be volatile no matter what. So it'll have its ups and downs. You can take advantage of those ups and downs, but when it's going up, it can as quickly go down just like that, where you miss your opportunity to take profits or be able to even enter into the trades. Right. And and that's probably driven by so much uncertainty in the markets like in the West. You know, we're dealing with our fight with inflation and the recession over here, as well as uh, the fight Tesla has in China, you know, dealing with the Chinese government, um, also dealing with so much competition. I, I think Tesla is doing very well 
in the European markets, of course, as well as um, the markets in the United States. But the uncertainty lends into uh, how the price is moving with the stock. But BYD is definitely uh, moving strong. They dominate. They have the largest market share in China by far. Uh, they are cheaper than Tesla. They use a different battery system, but that battery system, and we'll get into batteries a, uh, a little bit later in the episode, is the reason that they do come out a little bit uh, cheaper, but Tesla is seen as the more luxurious model. You still thinking about buying a Tesla? I know we said we want to buy Teslas off Tesla options because I don't want to pay for a Tesla. I want Tesla to pay for Tesla. Have you looked into... Go ahead. I'm still buying my Cybertruck as soon as it come out. Right. As See, soon as I can get my Cybertruck. The Cybertruck is dope, you know, and um, I think all other options are like the run of the mill. Like the F-150 looks like an F-150. It's just electric. The Rivian uh, looks cool. It's, it's, I think it's uh, more on the luxurious side as well. Uh, the, the Hummer is crazy. It's crazy. But the Cybertruck is just something different. Like it, if you see a Cybertruck on the street, it's like everybody's turning their hair. So... Um, I think that that is an investment as well because, you know, moving forward later with the autonomous driving and, and it has its upsides to own one. But I hope that plays out well for Tesla, especially going into this economic crunch with the economy shrinking. You see the article I dropped in the chat yesterday about uh, analysts saying that the S&P won't go anywhere for the rest of the year. It may trade sideways going into 2024. So we'll see how much of a role that plays. But. It was also good that Tesla uh, got the nod from GM and Ford that they're going to switch to Tesla's um, patented uh, charging system. So that's going to allow for Elon to possibly spread into some more uh, more infrastructure situations with building charging system across the states. Because one of the key differences between China and the United States is our road system versus their high speed high speed rail system the high speed rail system is very well planned out all through china you can get to all of the major cities on their rail and that affects the cost of their avs because they're um, focused more on shorter range batteries where teslas in america we have to focus on longer range batteries because we're designed for roads so that's kind of working out for tesla but it's going to always have Tesla the higher price uh, item because they have, I think it's the NCP batteries, the nickel cobalt uh, based batteries versus the, the I think the, they're called LFPs. Don't quote me on that. But the LFP battery system used for Tesla, uh, for Chinese EVs. That's going to play uh, a major role, but I don't know. Um, do you trade any other EV? stock or are you just like a tesla bull all the way through and through i'm mostly a tesla bull honestly but there are just like you're saying with uh boy byd i honestly see that one going very 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 far especially since they solidified their spot in china um but i also see tesla already solidifying their spot in the ev market as a whole across all countries they're getting charging stations across the U.S. I want to say they're about 40% of all of the charging stations across. And then there's another um, company that has about 60% of the charging stations that are out that gets used. So that something like that can definitely help 
helps actually grow all of them when it comes to being in the market. There's the starters, but to be honest, I see us getting more EV companies that are going to pop up like starters. Yeah, and and the thing like which plays into it with the batteries. Yes, there are the LFP batteries are lithium batteries. So just check my notes. China dominates lithium production in the world. They they dominate seventy seventy two percent of the lithium production market. So that's uh, not the raw materials, but processing the raw materials and then turning them into batteries or whatever other products. However, China has uh, by far a way better relationship with countries in Africa who produce uh, some of these raw materials where the U.S. hasn't grown those relationships over time. And now Africa, with these resources, is a key player in global politics now. Uh, the manufacturing of goods, uh, energy, all these different places. But, you know, China hasn't really entered the U.S. market for their EVs. So there are, I think there's some kind of like weird sanctions or something to where BYD, and I'm, I'm calling them by their ticker because, again, I'm going to be honest, I'm not super familiar with the company. This is just the topic. But uh, some of these Chinese EV manufacturers are not able to come into the U.S. due to the policies in place. So it's kind of stagnated some of the growth that these companies could have had in the West. But, you know, we got to kind of keep our our cars in our hand and we can't let these companies spread too far. It's, it's unfair, you know, in, in business to stop other companies from from growing. But um, we're kind of waking up and seeing some of the ramifications of our actions and not having great, these great relationships on a global scale. So we'll see. Let's let's get into another song. We'll take a short break. And then we'll talk about a little bit more about the battery situation. Give me the loot by the Notorious B.I.G. Classic. If you was born in the 2000s, you might not have felt that. You might not have even known who that was. Do your research. Give me the loot, man. We're trying to see who's going to dominate the global market. Is it going to be the U.S.? Is it going to be China? Ray Dalio says every 80 years or however, whatever the terms were, the number one spot changes from country to country. The U.S. has been on a run of world domination for over 80 years. Since World War One. China has fallen apart, pulled itself up, rebuilt itself, gone from a global non-factor and slowly has rebuilt into one of the biggest economies in the world, if not the biggest. Maybe the biggest economy in the world. The U.S., in my opinion, in our arrogance, have not focused on some of the things that would have continued our success in these times. But time changes fast. And maybe we didn't know we will get here so fast with the AI and EV and solar and all these different fields. But we are here. And unfortunately, we are unprepared as far as resources, but... United States has always been known to dominate in the intellectual property space, but we all know China. China is always down to take your IP. Like we said in the last segment of the show, China leads battery production globally. Most of China's EVs are LFPs, batteries made with phosphorus and iron. Uh, these materials are cheaper. The batteries are better for a shorter distance, but 
in China, there is really no need for a road trip because of their high-speed rail system. U.S. policies have hindered battery development, maybe for good. Uh, some of the things that come with battery uh, production or the production of raw materials are not great for the environment. So those policies have probably been in place to protect the environment. But on the flip side, uh, we fallen back. And that was definitely a situation to look into developing some great partners as far as production. That's going to have to be a situation or policy is going to have to change. But I don't think in our country we have people who push for more pollution uh, based on the batteries. We're going to want to innovate and have better solutions uh, for batteries. Battery raw materials aren't sourced in the United States or China. Most of them are sourced from Africa. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of years, um, China has better relationships not only with Africa, but South America and the Caribbean. And these relationships have fostered some growth. We all have, you know, different opinions. Uh, is it a uh, is it financial colonialism or economic colonialism? But, you know, some would say, you know, some help is better than no help. You know, maybe they are exploiting some situations, but who else came to help out? You know, um, but that's put in China. That has put in China, China in a better situation as far as global relations, hence BRICS. With China and Russia leading the forefront there, also with South America and Brazil. And they've developed very strong bonds where most people thought would never come to terms. And a lot of uh, African nations are following suit and cozying up to alliances with Russia and China. Uh, again, China dominates these markets. Outside of Africa, production of these uh, materials or um, I wouldn't say pro not production as far as uh, the raw materials, but um, utilizing these materials. Uh, we have Australia, we have Indonesia, and you know, back in Con um, Africa, Congo is a major player. But we have to look at our relationships with these nations. Australia is more centered to be with um, uh, with the Western countries, so we have great relationships with Australia. Um, but the other countries, do we have the best relationships or does, does China dominate that as well? Nico, how much do you know about battery production? Have you traded any companies associated with battery production? I see there is this cool company and concept uh, that the U.S. has gotten involved with, which is, you know, investing more into battery recycling. Um, I know that's very much so associated with phone repair. Uh, there's money to be made there. But have you invest, have made any investments in battery uh, replacement or repair or recycling? Um, well, I have a company. Let's say if I do change a battery in like a phone or something, they take they actually technically purchase it from me. Um, so whatever they're doing with the parts, it could be recycling to reproduce something else. But that's always been something that's been going on for quite some time, actually. So I remember at one point there was a shortage of batteries. Um, so I, 
I, I assume that they started the recycling to kind of not have to deal with that at a later time or it come up so that at least they have backup. See, that's very interesting because I think with uh, the policy stopping battery production, you know, the U.S. has to look into, well, how can we get into the battery recycling markets, you know, as a way to stimulate some growth in that sector in the U.S.? That's something that's easily doable. But, um, yeah, policies are going to stop us with battery production. But there are companies that have uh, made some investments and want to come into the U.S. and work with companies. But policies, uh, you know, let us know how far we can get into that. But I think the major deciding factor in this war is the chip market. The semiconductor market um, has become the focus of all technology. Who produces your chips? Can you produce your own chips? Who dominates the market? What countries? What state are these countries in? Taiwan is definitely a major player. Taiwan is definitely an ally of the United States. The United States has produced a lot of IP for that market, and Taiwan has licensed a lot of IP. Uh, so, so as well as Japan, and um, these have been our partners, but we haven't invested into chip manufacturing. So now that's a focus um, in the U.S. is to bring chip manufacturing back to the U.S. Did you get a chance to get in on some of that uh, NVIDIA run in the last couple of months? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I caught the earnings. Uh, for NVIDIA, a cheap call turned out to be uh, almost something like a 2,000% gain or a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish I'd have had leaps because honestly, I would have I would have been able to jump right back into my Baba and just continue from there. Mm -hmm. But I want, I want to say that uh, the chips are going to continue to grow because of their importance. Um, everything just about has a chip now, cars, phones. So certain certain things that we, of course, need every single day or to be able to maintain, we put more money and invest into. Um, they're going to make sure that these chip companies don't go out of business or they're going to make sure that they, they're able to expand. So that's... But Kind of the reason why also NVIDIA, Supermicro, um, TSM, all these companies have been growing substantially this year. Yeah. And, um, you you know, China has uh, gotten into um, the race for chip production as well. You know, they have a company, Beerin. Are you familiar with Beerin? Have you traded Beerin? Or did you, like, uh, see them pop up on your radar? Yeah, you got it. On that one, though. Yeah, you got to look them up. They they supposed to, they're supposed to have a chip that's three times faster than the A100, which is uh, the chip from Nvidia. Um, they uh, uh, China is investing heavily into their own chip markets. I think there were sanctions uh, and policies stopping China from using um, some of our IP to build their own um, chip industries, some of our machinery to make chips. We kind of tried to pull back and halt that growth because, again, we don't want them to gain that advantage over us. 
but they're investing in all of these areas where we normally would have had control over. I don't want to say dominate, but control over. And uh, China definitely trails America in chip innovation and chip development, for sure. Uh, NVIDIA is uh, definitely leading the way with market share. You missed the leaps, but, you know, we'll watch um, the, the movement over the next couple of months. And maybe you'll get some of the action in the other direction if the price retraces and gets back into like some of the normal levels. Um, you know, the U.S. has produced the CHIPS Act. They're looking to build manufacturing in uh, America. I think Colorado or Arizona is one of the states focused on you know, delivering chips. And I'm one of the people who say, you know what, we're going to trade these stocks. But we're also going to look for some physical assets or some tangible uh, assets as well. And um, I think that's a great opportunity to buy property in some of these places where chip factories, the chip manufacturing is going to pop up because they're going to come with jobs. People are going to move there. Uh, property is going to be hot in areas if they choose areas that aren't, uh, I guess, developed yet. Like if you follow Microsoft, as Microsoft moved into Atlanta, it rose all the property value everywhere. Uh, sucks because there's some gentrification involved. But if we follow the money in these situations, we can kind of be ahead of the curve and get in on some of that action. So what I'm doing is I'm looking at properties in all of these places, all of these new industries, uh, batteries, uh, chip manufacturing in the U.S., I want to see if I can buy some property around these places. I want to see who are the companies. You know, where are they? Are they undervalued? Can we can we invest in some of these companies long term? So, um, you know, that's going to be interesting. Ta Taiwan has invested forty two billion dollars into chip factories in Arizona. That's major. That's major. That's going to create a lot of jobs. It's um, giving us a much needed presence of having chips at home so we don't have to fight for so much. And, you know, this chip thing is one of the key factors in uh, what some economists will say will lead into a war with China because whoever controls China, uh, Taiwan in the short term controls the chip market. And when we talk about chips, we're not just talking about computers. We're talking about your microwave. We're talking about your fridge. We're talking about your clock, your screens. Everything uses semiconductors. So we cannot halt the flow of semiconductors. And China can't, you know, they can't take that as well. As we go forward, the demand for these materials would be super high. So we can't just be focused on one source. We have to diversify. I'm sure there are going to be other countries stepping up and um, covering some of that market share as well. But this is going to be one of the major factors moving forward in investing. And before we get out of here today, you know, we always want to look for where to invest. And I always say energy is a go. Battery is a part of energy. Our battery usage will go up tremendously. All EVs use batteries. It's simple. We don't have to uh, analyze any data. At any data, we, we, we know moving forward that all EVs need batteries. Uh, battery sources for homes using solar, uh, batteries for all these data data centers that need to be uh, backed up. So, you know, 
battery reinforcement on the grid. It's, it's so much that's going into this. So you want to invest across the board, the raw materials, the company, the production, the companies using the materials. Uh, what else did we go over? Semiconductors, of course. But you want to think all the adjacent industries around. Um, we should invest into, for our personal gain, you know, some of these companies growing in the China EV market. But when we talk EVs, I keep bringing it up. You got to think copper, copper that goes inside of the car. An EV has on average six times more copper than an average car. Copper production isn't going to slow down anytime soon. These are commodities that you can add to long-term portfolios. This is not financial advice. We're just speaking hypothetically. That will grow with you over time. You don't have to master some of these markets if you get the right components of them and then just set them and forget them. So let's like let's look into that. And, you know, and I, and I say we, we'll do that, but that's going to be my focus. Where are the jobs going? Invest in the city where the jobs are going. Who are the new companies creating their products? Invest into them. What are the materials related to the uh, products? Let's invest into the materials. All across the board, you got a better shot at hitting. If you spread your investments and diversify, even though it's one industry, you're diversifying in that industry. So that'll cover a little bit more. You can approach your portfolio by industry and how you're diversified in that specific industry instead of just looking at it all the way across the board. I have Tesla and I have Coca-Cola. Well, you know what? If you really believe in Tesla or Coca-Cola, you should invest into the companies surrounding them. You know, that way you kind of consistent in your approach with your investing. But uh, uh, Nico, is it any uh, trades we should be looking uh, at or looking for? Did you see uh, WeWork? WeWork had some somewhat of a squeeze situation. My computer monitor went off, but it started yeah, to I squeeze a little bit WeWork. yesterday. Yeah, I seen WeWork ticker W E. Um, I want to say it was up like fifty, yeah, almost fifty, forty three percent. It's very very low, but I want to actually on the ninth it was at twelve cents. Now it's at twenty three. But it reached all the way to like thirty something and some change. Um, catching those, catching those are definitely hard to catch. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, um, I got lucky and just stumbled across a tweet and it made me look at it. But uh, you know, it was a perfect squeeze situ uh, setup. WeWork is a company that was worth billions and billions of dollars in the workspace uh, industry. Kind of dominated and more so created the workspace industry. They, um, they've fallen off, and that's also associated with what we've talked about uh, with commercial real estate. Commercial real estate is in trouble. That was a major part of commercial real estate, and their net worth right now is less than five hundred million dollars from billions. I think it was it was some wild number. It was it was high, um, but they're only worth five hundred million dollars right now, which is probably just the value of each property. And they've lost over 99% of their value on the market. So, you know, that stock has been shorted like hell. So these situations, you want to keep your eye on. You always want to kind of keep a beat on, you know, stock prices that are beating down 50, 60, 70%. Because just some of the rebounding from the, after the shorts, you know, get out of the play. 
you know, it's going to be some growth, especially if some of the companies are strong, because that's just the nature of the market. Shorts take advantage of uh, certain situations, but when they're over, you know, the stock is suppressed so long that the true value starts to reflect in the price, like with Tesla. Tesla was shorted for years and years and years and years and years, and we were lucky enough to catch some of that breakout in, um, you know, 2020 and and see the growth now after it being shorted so long, but the true value of Tesla is starting to appear. And you still have some bear cases for Tesla, but Tesla is a strong company. It's well-branded. Elon is out in the forefront. He has his own following. Um, you, you you can't say anybody's here to stay, but it's, it seems like a safer bet. You know, so um, do you have any remarks uh, as far as wrapping up? Uh, any trades you're looking at today? Um, or do you see anything in the market? Right now, I would... It, right now is a market for a scalper. Um, it's not... It wouldn't be the best necessarily for anyone that is really like swing trading because um, we have so much news that comes out and the market reacts to it. Um, elections are coming up. So there's a lot of things that... And holidays, of course. A lot of things that can either help or hurt the market for the next, I want to say probably like six months. As we come into the new year, it'll kind of more settle. We can get those leaps situated. But if we see more downside, load up. That's definitely what I would recommend, at least load up for the long term. In four or five years, these numbers that we're looking at now are going to be nothing. But just if you're, let's say, a day trader, this is literally your market to have run around and have fun with because you will profit. But make sure you're taking your profit. Yeah. And learn about the companies and sharpen your sword because, this, you know, we're going to roll into no matter how the recession works out or if it's going to be some kind of world war type situation. This is the time where the market thins out. Uh, some of the people who are going to probably be elite or well known for the markets are going to emerge, but they're going to learn in this cycle right here. Real estate is going to have to be reimagined um, as far as commercial real estate. Uh, some of the losses for Airbnb, depending on the situation, if a lot of people are over leveraged, that's going to dump a lot of houses back onto the retail market. And technically, Airbnb should be considered as commercial real estate, but it might show as residential. So it depends on how uh, Airbnb is showing up on, you know, most charts. Is it considered residential or is it considered all commercial? Now, if it's commercial and it's reflecting in some of the, you know, what's perceived as the, the next crash coming up. All right, cool. But if it's really considered residential and a lot of people are over leveraged, then a lot of houses are going to get dumped back onto the market if people can't maintain their mortgages. So you just got to be aware uh, interest rates are high. Put yourself in the best situation to buy something you can hold on to past five years so you can really see the growth or it might be longer than that but it's going to pay off if you make the right moves uh as far as war it's getting crazy in africa uh people are picking sides uh we got what was it niger uh it, the situation with them i think is it niger nigerius it's so much going on right now russia's impact on africa France being kicked out of Africa. It's a lot of re revolution. And of course, what we have going on in Ukraine. Just be ready. 
You hear a lot of people talking about wartime stocks. We've talked about them. We've talked about some of these plane companies and these weapon defense companies. Let's pay close attention to that because I like the long-term opportunities. I love to day trade. I love to swing trade. You get that money right now, but you have to reinvest that in something that's going to grow without you working on it so much. You know, day trading is is a job. You know, sometimes I get stressed out, but if you do the work for the longer trades, um, all your work will pay off. So it's wartime. It's wartime in the markets. It's wartime in the world. And just be ready, man. So with that said, we're going to go out with a little bit of future. And I'll see y'all next week. This is your host, Dan Son of Man, and my guest co-host, Nico, the phone guy. And we will see you next week.